What are you and God doing, man? How are y'all getting down nowadays? Just down. Just down? Down and dirty, huh, Rick? Yeah. You ain't been talking uh, with anybody about God? Oh, I just been talking to myself with him. Oh, that's the Get in gear. Get in gear? Telling God to get in gear? So you ain't been talking to nobody? Me? Oh, yeah, talk to me. I don't. This is not a nobody. <laughs> you, feeling, you feeling down? Kind of. Yeah. What do you think it is? Just, uh, it's, it's all in my mind, I know that, but it's kind of from not being up north, around family, by the kids. Our kids. Yeah. Uh, not that everybody around yeah. here isn't family. Yeah. Family. We know you don't like us. It's not the same. We know you don't really like us. You're stuck with us. We're like true family. (laughs) You're stuck with us whether you like us or not. You miss family? I miss them. Yeah. I miss our old. I'm going to sit over here so I can keep this guy warm. Wait. Just in your house. I'm going to sit here so I can keep you Okay, good. I know I got to get my mind. Appreciate it. That, oh, boy, thank what, you. What you have. Oh, you haven't even excited oh, me to give it to you. I am excited. As long as you got the Lord with you. And he says, you know, that's going to make my head inside. I know he's excited. Who, me? Oh, he does. Well, I mean, is it okay if it does matter? What? Is it okay if it does matter? Why not? It's not. It's not a, like a, the gospel isn't a I don't care, right? I mean, have you considered have you have you have you considered that that isn't really the problem? That that's what your your mind has gravitated towards out of having time to just sit and try to figure out what's wrong. I mean, do you find you spend a lot of time trying to figure out what's wrong, and that you come up with these answers? Yeah. Well, how do you know those are the right answers? How do you know that that's actually the problem? I thought about that. That it's probably not the problem. Yeah. Because the problem's been with me in that situation all, for a long, long time. Yeah, and I don't think that's... No difference, Robert, where I was at. I don't think that's the problem. I think that, and this is, this is normal, when we get to suffering for an extended period of time in our emotions... We struggle to not try to put a face to the suffering, right? Especially if we don't see it passing, because then we become confused, especially somebody like you, right, who knows the Lord, right? So it can become extra confusing for somebody like you or the people in this room that come to the Bible studies and come to all the messages and and love the Lord. It can become particularly confusing for us if we think it doesn't pass, and then we struggle not to try to figure out why do we feel this way, right? And then we start coming up with our own ideas about why we feel this way. Because we think if we can just figure it out, why we feel this way, then that will be the path to us having it be healed or go away, right? I would just encourage you to, to stop trying to feel. I know it's difficult. In fact, what I want to say is impossible. Only the Lord can make you still. Mm-hmm. But I would encourage you to allow the thought to come into your mind that 
You don't know. And maybe you don't need to know. And, and, and that you should just commit it into God's hands and let it go. I mean, I, I find myself praying, I don't want to say for you, because it's not like you're some charity case. <laughs> I never start off praying for people. I always just start off praying with the Lord about, you know, eternal life and what he's done. And I'm in him. He's made. Glory to God. And then my heart will just go gravitating towards people. Man, and I always, I've been, I gravitate towards you a lot. And, uh, man, I, I, I think for you, you, I don't even know how, to, how I want to put it in words, but, um, and you have to go discern it, right? Because this isn't like a, thus saith the Lord to you. And now you must, I'm going to put whatever words I can to it. And then you go sort out whatever it means to you. But I, I just kept feeling like that, uh, you and God have this like beautiful relationship. And that you hadn't found an outlet for it. And that you're like a preacher that feels frustrated because they don't have nobody to preach to. And so then they find themselves sitting around feeling frustrated, feeling useless, feeling like, what's my purpose? Feeling like, what am I doing? It's like Paul said, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Imagine how Paul might feel if he couldn't preach. Imagine how God might feel if he couldn't love. Do you think he might feel frustrated? And so I think for you, it's, it's much more innocent. I think that, man, you and God have this, I mean, we all do, but you and God have this beautiful relationship that manifests in such a beautiful way. And I, I just feel like you haven't been able to express that the way you would want to. And it's leaving you feeling frustrated and then feeling like, what do I do with myself? And I feel like anybody in that place starts looking, right, to what's wrong. Why do I feel this way? I'm not supposed to feel this way, quote unquote. Don't I know I have eternal life? Right? Don't I know none of this matters? So why do I feel this way? And it turns into like the wrong examination. Right? When Paul said to examine yourselves, he didn't say to examine yourselves to figure out what the problem is. He didn't say that. He said to examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith or not. Right? And it was about a very specific thing. And so I think we get off into confusion when we, we start trying to figure out why we feel woeful. Right. And so I think that all of us are better off. I had to, I've had to learn this. Everybody that's ever walked with the Lord has had to learn this. Everybody feels woeful mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. Right. Everybody can feel like what's the, what's the point? And lacking. Everyone can feel discouraged. Mm-hmm. And if I'm being honest, I think most of the people that feel discouraged, people that are walking with the Lord, most of the time they feel discouraged because either they're not finding an outlet for their union with God. And so it just feels like everything's bottled up all the time. And so what do I do with myself? Or they can feel discouraged because they feel like what's in them isn't received. And what's the point? It's not good for a human to think, what's the point? 
And what I mean by it's not good is it will never produce a nice feeling. It's not a pleasant feeling for a human to feel like what's in them isn't being expressed. It's a frustrating thing. It's like taking an artist. It's like taking Michelangelo or Da Vinci and telling them they can't ever create anything. You can't draw anything. There's no paper. There's no pencil. There's no paintbrush. There's no paint. There's no canvas. There's nowhere for you to express what's in you. It's just in that. Right? Anyway, that's what I, I get when, when I've been. And it's been for a long time now. Right? I think there's a beautiful thing in you, man, that blesses people. And I've seen you light up. And the Lord took me back to you lighting up. I've seen you light up when you talked about that. I've seen the joy in your face. Like I've seen the passion. And so if, if you're not finding an outlet for that, that seems to be a thing that like juices you. And now if there's no outlet for that, you're just like, doo -doo -doo. right? Yeah. That can feel very frustrating, man. Right? It can be very frustrating. You know, something else you want to realize, and, and, and Verity will just have to forgive me because I'll speak for both of us. Something else you guys want to realize is, and I don't speak nearly as eloquently as Verity, but I do understand things technically. You can get caught up in being around people that can express the gospel in a way that sounds so clear and proper that you begin to think, what do I got to say? I can't say it like that. It isn't clear like that. Better for me just to shut up and just sit here. People want to keep that in mind. That if that feeling starts to come upon you, that don't come from God. Neither does it come from Verity or from me. Right? And the, the body wants to come together and complement one another. And you would never want one part of the body to feel disesteemed or swallowed up by the gift in another part of the body, right? And sometimes it can be a struggle because if we're not finding an outlet for what's in us in the groups that we're gathering in, we're struggling to find out where's my place in this? How can I express what's in me in this? Man, what, what can end up happening is we start judging ourselves amongst ourselves. And we start saying, well, because I can't do it that way, rather I shouldn't say anything or because I might struggle to say what I want to say, right? I mean, we can just be honest. You sit around somebody like Birdie or me, and it's not that we do this or that we want it this way, but man, it can very easily help you to think, well, I can't say it that clear. What if I say, what I say is wrong? What if I say it ain't exactly right? I should just be quiet and sit here, right? And I mean, I know I can speak for Birdie. That would never be our intent and trying to make the message clear. Our intent would never be for the other people around us that are in the body that also have gifts and callings and the Father himself in them. We would never want them to think, well, because I can't say it as clear as that, or it might take me a little ways to get to it, that I should just be quiet. Right? Because I just got to be honest. The gospel isn't really a spectator sport, if you allow me that language. 
And I don't mean like God requires you to go do something. I'm just saying, man, one of the most beautiful things about inheriting God and sitting at the feet of Jesus is that you're the image of God. You know what it means to be the image of God? It means you were created to bear God himself. And so the greatest joy we feel is when we feel God himself coming out of us. And if we're not finding that, where we feel God himself coming out of us towards people, listen, man, we're going to feel frustrated. In fact, what I want to say is it's impossible for you not to feel frustrated. And I don't know that it's an indication that something's wrong with you. I think it's an indication that you like left on the sidelines and you're trying to get in the game. Forgive my, my sports analogies. I hope you guys understand what I'm saying. I'm not talking like the old way, like you need to go do something. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying out of God being born in us, out of us seeing we don't have to do anything for God, that we're, God's not needing us to serve him by what we can do for him. Moving all of that out of the way, at the end of the day, as you behold God and you're the image of God, what happens is, is God himself comes manifesting out of you. And that's a great joy and pleasure when you feel that. And if you don't feel like you have an avenue or an outlet for that, anyone, you're going to feel frustrated. You're going to feel upset. And what will end up happening is you'll start looking under every stone trying to figure out why. And next thing you know, you've created problems that aren't really there. And next thing you know, and we all do this. Next thing you know, you start, and I'm going to, I know you felt this way. We all do. Next thing you know, am I really believing? Am I really in the faith? Well, how come I feel this way? I mean, am I stupid? Am I rejecting the truth? Is that why? You see how that slope keeps slipping further and further down to where you at, you, at the end of the day, you find yourself, am I rejecting the truth? Maybe it's much simpler. Now I feel frustrated because there's something beautiful in me between me and God, and I haven't exactly found an outlet for it. So it's just in there. Let there be light. Right? I was reading the account of Genesis this morning and thinking about it as God created things out of nothing that was already there. You know, we turn on a light. We want to turn on a light. We go to the source and turn it on and then we make it happen. We did it with nothing and we're like <laughs> staring at a blank canvas <laughs> with all of him. I mean, everything that man has been able to create came from God inside of them, first being the creator. And so we, we there's like a blank canvas in front of you, in front of all of us. I was thinking about it in front of me that there is something within us to express who he is. And, and we just can sit with him and talk about that. Otherwise, I love what I love what you said this morning because I was thinking I was having this conversation with God the other day about a relationship with one of my kids in particular and I mean it's been going on for a very very long time and and I'm just like I can't fix this I don't know how to fix this I can't fix this you know what are some how can I fix it <laughs> you know I know you're the only one who can, yeah, I always come back to I know you're the only one who can fix it. And it was like, God said, well, what makes you think it needs to be fixed? Mm -hmm. What are you judging it by? Mm -hmm. You know, and so I could see how we all have, 
you know, you know, Greg was talking to you, but we all, I know you're talking to all of us, yeah. we all have this beautiful, intimate relationship with the Lord. And as we focus on that and not the things that are seen, it's kind of thinking we focus what happens when we don't have that creative outlet or that outlet, we become fixed on the things that are seen. And so I'm found myself fixed on the problem and thinking it needed to be fixed and God's like what makes you think it needs to be fixed so it's kind of I had to go back and look at how I judge how that is supposed to look like in my mind you know and see that God has something else planned but and you know how you express of you know something that's inside of you a relationship that's inside of you with the Lord what that actually looks like we think it's got to be, it's got to look like a preacher. It's got to look yeah. like a teacher. It's got to look like, you know, you all come up with these imaginations about what that relationship, how it should be reflected in your life. Right. And we think of religion. We think of preachers and teachers and whatever. And it can manifest that way, but it doesn't have to manifest no. that way. It can manifest. I think it's unique to every single individual because not everybody's going to be a preacher. Not everybody's going to be a teacher, and neither should they try to be teachers. Mm -hmm. But it it doesn't mean that that life can't manifest. Mm -hmm. So the the main thing, and, and plenty of times people think, well, maybe I ought to be a preacher. How come I'm not a teacher or whatever? And so you you're looking for that outlet on how to do it, and you get sidetracked looking for the outlet. But who you are as a, how you were created as an individual has its own unique way of expressing the truth that's inside of you. And, and, and when you, you kind of come to grips with that naturally and, you, and it comes through finding rest. When you just come to grips with the fact that everything's good between you and God, and it is good because you've been given a justification of life you, if, when, when you have the life inside of you, you can kind of relax and let yourself be yourself. And you might be a preacher, or you might be a teacher, or you might be an artist, or you might just be a friend to some to people. Mm -hmm. who, who knows how that might right. manifest? Mm -hmm. but, but, but if something has you searching for something, you're gonna feel unsettled until you find that rest and begin just being who you are, who you were created to be, you know. Mm -hmm. But it's it's an interesting concept because until you find out that kind of like Greg's speaking about there, there could be can certainly be that frustration. Mm -hmm. But but when you start resting in the fact that you it's all good right. between you and the Lord. Then you can start resting, and in that in that life begin to express itself through you. It can be about preaching, or teaching, or just being a friend to somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that's right. I mean, you can start having a conversation with yeah. the Lord about how. Yeah. It's it's not you, and it's not me. It's not where I'm at. I'm sure. I would like to see my kids sometimes, and this is completely different climate. And sure, I can go pick apart some things here that I don't really like, but that ain't really it. Mm -hmm. Lord, I see this beautiful thing with you. I see this beautiful thing about you and me and I am in you. And I just, man, I don't, I don't know 
I haven't found a place for it to be released, for it to be expressed. And now you start talking with God about that, right? Because you could get so caught up in what you think is wrong, it can be like horse blinders on you, right? Where you don't see any of the opportunities to express the beauty of what's in you because you end up so self-focused on what's wrong with me, right? And maybe there's nothing wrong with you. And maybe the, the prayer with God starts to become focused on that. There's this guy, Glenn Paralew, that comes to the men's Bible study. And uh, he had this dream. And he's like an artist type of guy, uh, engineer type of guy. And he had this dream, and I'm probably going to butcher it. I'm going to do the best I can. But he had this dream where he was sitting down at lunch with Jesus. And he wouldn't let Jesus talk. All he just kept saying to Jesus was about how sorry he was for everything he had done wrong and everything he had messed up and all the, the problems he had caused, right, for Jesus, you know, for God. And, and then he said at some point, Jesus just stopped him and said, I'm okay. You're okay. We're okay. And that was it. Mm -hmm. Right? My, you know, my freedom came. So we were born into a story of two kingdoms. The one kingdom wants to tear me down. Wants me to, I have to compare myself. I have to be something. I have to do something. I have, to, my happiness depends on that. The other kingdom is, I'm his son. That's all I need to know. When I'm his son and I have eternity, then this is just a short, short time. And I, I, I will have disappointments. I would love to be with all my grandkids. Just being with this week was terrific. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I will not let that tear me down because I can't right now. So being his son, um, I don't have competition or with anybody or even myself. Because the world keeps on knocking at that door. Do this, do that, be this. A million things. I'm already all of it. All I need to be. I love the simplicity of how you said that. It was beautiful. I'm okay. You're okay. We're okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, we think about how Cindy says, you know, how she learned who she is is good. I mean, do we ever allow ourselves to, to think I'm okay I'm okay you're okay Rick <laughs> you know we could sometimes it's as simple as that that's the light let there be light I'm okay you're okay you're okay with God we're okay with God that, that could be the light right. yeah. <laughs> even the fruit even the I'm sorry go ahead I was just gonna say a lot of times when I'm down you see through that veil of downness, and you don't see things clearly, and it starts to be like a, a an avalanche. You see yeah. more and more incorrectly, and when you're down, sometimes God's flowing through you, and you don't see it. This morning, you greeted me in such an unusual, magnificent, glorious, <laughs> godly, <laughs> and I felt God just oozing. Mm. And that's, it, it doesn't stop it. When the squeeze comes, who you are and what you have inside comes out. No matter how we're feeling, feelings can be so deceptive sometimes. Yeah. 
We have the assurity that this life will come forth and nothing yes. can stop it. That's right. That's right. And a lot of times that frustration is just the birthing pains of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I listened to this lady on a, a, I was listening to a podcast and she was saying she had been, she was a doctor. It was during the war and she had been raped several times and really badly treated and beaten and everything else. And she got down, <laughs> you know, you get all down on that. And um, she said, and then she was just sitting with the Lord, like, I see the stars in the sky, and I know you have control of every one of them where they are, but do you know where I am right now? Mm-hmm. And um, he just said to her one thing, can you thank me that I, I'm in this, even if you never understand it? Mm-hmm. And it was, it changed her life, you know, it, 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 it was what she needed to hear. In this situation, can you just thank me and trust that I'm in it, even though you can't understand it ever? Maybe, you know. Well, yeah, and I'm thankful that she's trying to find peace, but I I don't want anybody to take take the wrong conclusion. That it's up to them to. No, no, no. no we we can understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh. God came so we would understand. <laughs> okay. And so this whole, even if you don't ever understand. That sounds like a person trying to will themselves unto peace because mm-hmm. they're confused. Okay. And the way that had to work for them is they had to stop trying to understand because they don't really know God. Right. right? Jesus wasn't like, I don't understand why this is happening to me. Okay. Right? But I'll just blindly trust. None of the apostles, I don't understand why I'm being thrown over the cliff. I don't understand why they want to stone me and put me to death. Right? Right? We, we we do understand. The, the scripture says with all you're getting, get wisdom, get understanding. Yeah. You can't actually trust a being really that you don't understand. Okay. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I understand. that. I think that's one of, and I'm not foo-fooing no. her process. No, I'm glad I think that's that. one of the steps in the process mm-hmm. of letting go. Yeah. She, she might be grasping so hard onto her own thinking that the first step was God getting her to stop trying to figure it out. Trying to fix her own. Right? Mm-hmm. And so the first step may have been for her. Can you just stop trying to understand how this can be and what, yes. what happened here? Can we just sit together? Mm-hmm. Right? And so it sounds like a part of the process for a mind that's fixated on the darkness. Mm-hmm. Right? Can we just let that go and can we just be together? Yeah. And can you I'm just okay, you're okay. Can you just right, can you just focus on that I'm there with you in the midst of this? Mm-hmm. That's what that's what it sounds to me like she's saying. I believe that. I don't yeah. think she's on the other side of it where she can completely see the whole thing clearly. Right. And I think what's happened is she's gotten fixated on her own judgments about what this means. Mm-hmm. And I feel like God is trying to get her to just focused on that he's with her in the midst of this. Right. And that's really all that matters. I'm there in the midst of this with you. Right. And in her focusing on that, I think she will come to know the Lord. Right. And to understand. Does that make sense? What I'm saying there? And I think a lot of people and we don't want to shame anybody. I think for a lot of people, when we encounter trauma and we know the Lord. We know of the Lord. We don't really know him like Jesus knew Abba, right? That when we live through traumatic experiences, there can be different stages or layers of the onion that are peeled back on our path to liberty, right? And I think that's definitely one of the stages, right? right? Where we can be so consumed with our own thoughts about how could you have been with me? How could this have happened? And we're just twisting on that nonstop. 
and what the Lord might do to get us to stop twisting on that for a moment. So we could just see he's there with us. Because in order to hear God, you have to first see he's there with you. Yeah. And your your own voice has to shut up. Yeah. And I mean that in a nice way, yeah. right? I mean, if you're all the time talking, 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 it's a struggle to hear the other people. Well, you said that the real way that be still and know that I am God is to be still and then know that I am, or know that I am God and then be still. That will make you still. If yeah. you know that I am God, you can be still. When you know God, it will make you still. Yeah. It will bring you into a quiet place. Mm -hmm. It will bring you, you'll see that you're under the shadow of the Almighty. Yeah. Right, and you start to see that his life shadows yeah. and even consumes all death. Right, yeah. and even like the fruit of the spirit. You know, we talk a lot about the fruit of the spirit here. Do you know why we talk a lot about that? We talk a lot about that because that's what the human heart really wants. And we can we talk about it a lot because the world comes and promises us the fruit of the spirit through all the things. So we talk a lot about the fruit of the spirit and experiencing the fruit of the spirit. I don't want to say we want to be careful. I want to say we want to be aware that in all of our talking about experiencing the fruit of the Spirit, we're not now trying to set up another law by which we're going to judge whether we okay or not. Right? So we're not like trying to look at the fruit of the Spirit, come with our own judgments about the fruit of the Spirit, and now judge ourselves and whether we okay or not by whether we think we're experiencing that. That's not how it's supposed to go down. Right? And so we, we want to be mindful that the, the enemy is deceiving, yeah. right? And he, 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 he comes and he tries to use that which is good in order to bring pain, right? He doesn't come and use that which isn't good. I mean, when he came to bring pain to Jesus, he come and quoted the scriptures, right? And so you want to be mindful of that. We, I, we talk about the dictionary of our own heart a lot. And we talked about this the other day. But we all have an idea of what, it thinks, what we think it means to have patience. What we think it means to be long-suffering. What we think it means to feel love and peace and joy and all those kinds of things. And if we sit with the definition of what all those things mean, it becomes very easy for us to use those definitions to judge ourselves and whether or not we okay. And if we don't think... We're clothed in life. We're never going to think we okay. And if we think we're separated from that which is good, we're never going to feel okay. Right? We're always going to judge ourselves as coming behind. And so I would just encourage you also to twist on that with the Lord. Right? You, you might say you're not in peace, but did God tell you that? You might say you don't feel joy, but did God tell you that? I mean, can you feel frustrated and still have joy? I think the answer is yes, but I think our carnal minds concludes no. Mm -hmm. I think our carnal mind will conclude the presence of frustration is the absence of peace and joy. I don't think that's the case. I mean, we talked about this. I think Jesus felt frustrated Absolutely. sometimes. Did that mean he was now not having peace? Does that mean he was now in, in turmoil and he didn't have love and joy? Does that mean the fruit of the Spirit wasn't with him? Does that mean all of a sudden now he wasn't abiding in God? I don't think it does. But I think we conclude that. It's kind of like Paul said, the body of death. We, we see what is good. We all agree peace and love and joy is good. We all agree patience and long-suffering is good. Right? 
But then if we get to judging ourselves by whether or not we think we have all of that working the way it should be working, listen, we're submitting ourselves in that moment unto the law of sin and death, right? And we're engaging in just another metric of trying to bring forth those things we say is good, right? I know I got caught in that trap for a long time. When I concluded the discomfort I felt meant I wasn't at rest, this discomfort I felt, this angst, this pressing that I felt meant I wasn't in peace. And I sat examining that with God over and over and over and over and over again, trying to find where it was I was coming behind so that I could experience the fruit that I say is good. Listen, man, I got to tell you, that, that was me trying to bring forth the fruit of the Spirit myself. That was just another example of what Paul talked about, right? Well, and the way God stopped me is he come and showed me Jesus, sweat and blood. And he says, does this sweating of the blood now mean this guy doesn't have peace? Does this sweating of the blood now mean this guy doesn't have joy and patience and long-suffering? Does it mean this guy's not at rest? And he completely blew up all my thinking. You see, the, the, power, the power to what he did there is he got me to stop judging myself by what I felt like I was experiencing and what it meant that I felt this pressing. Right? He got me to stop doing that because he showed me my conclusions were unrighteous when I hold them next to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I wish all of us in the body of Christ would do that more. Take the things that we believe and put them next to Jesus and see if they make sense or not. Right? Because it set us free from a whole lot of wrong thinking. We struggle to identify with Jesus, the Son of Man. Right? I think people easily identify with Jesus as Messiah. I think they, uh, even as God, it's a struggle. Because part of their theology says, yes, Jesus is God. But then when they describe Jesus on the cross, they say God isn't with him. So how can he be God if God isn't there? Right? And so people don't recognize that. But I think we struggle to identify with Jesus as the Son of Man because he is God also. Right? So we immediately create this picture of Jesus as if he don't know, he doesn't feel, he hasn't experienced, he and so we don't think we can see ourselves in his face. We don't think we can look at him and find him discerning our life, right? But you would want that to discern you because your thoughts and beliefs would probably betray you like mine did. Do you think Jesus was okay when he was sweating blood? Do you think he still had the fruit of the spirit and he was good and God was good and all was well? Okay, then how can it be when you feel like you're sweating blood that you're not okay? Do you see how you sit with two different beliefs? <laughs> right? And th that's how it was for me. Where's the unbelief, Lord? Find the unbelief. I was like, you, bro, this ain't right. You know? And then God's like, who says you're in unbelief? Was Jesus now in unbelief when he was sweating blood? Oh. Hmm. Right? And so we, we want to be aware of that when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. This is not some new law we're trying to establish, whether or not we're going to judge whether we okay or not. There's one thing we're living by to determine whether or not we're okay. It's the glorified man, Jesus, seated at the right hand of God, whose body we are. And if he's okay, and his body's okay, then guess what? 
we're okay. Right? And, and we look to that as many times as we need to, to find the evidence. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Well, in the very next chapter, it says Jesus is the beginning and end of the faith. So you could easily just say Jesus is the substance of everything I'm hoping for, and he's the evidence that I have everything I'm hoping for, even when I don't see it. Yeah. And so that's where we would go when we don't feel okay to find the word that tells us we're okay. That's called living by the knowledge of the Son of God instead of living by the knowledge of good and evil. The knowledge of good and evil is we all say it's evil to feel discomfort. We all say it's evil to feel pressed. We all say it's evil to feel weak. We all say it's evil not to all the time be lollipops and rainbows. It's evil. And so what happens is, is that knowledge, because we know that peace and love and joy is good, We've seen the fruit of God's life. We agree it's good. Living by the knowledge of good and evil is now where we're going to judge our own life by whether or not we think we lollipops and rainbows all the time. And if we ain't, we're judging ourselves as evil. And our heart is evil. And our life is evil. And now we're twisting on all the different ways we can fix that because we don't want to be evil. Right? Listen, man, I lived there for years, and I was running this church. You know, a trap I used to fall into was when I didn't feel like I had what I know I've got. And I look, you know, there's, so there's this pent-up frustration because I'm not sharing. But if I don't feel like I've got what I've got, then I feel like a hypocrite if I do go. So I'm just going <laughs> to shut up. And, and it just starts this dynamo or a downward spiral. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Even Jesus' identity was questioned his whole life, even to the cross. Mm -hmm. Not by him. By the world, right? It's back to this thing. You you. It's easy to feel discouraged and and nobody feels, you know, nice when they feel discouraged, but it's like, it's a reminder that the excellency is of God and not of ourselves, right? Well, I found for myself when I was in unbelief, at that moment when I was busy, you know, the first couple of years of church, twisted, where's my unbelief? Where's my unbelief? That unbelief was not reminding me that the excellency was of God. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Because I was examining my own self, trying to figure out what was wrong with me. Isn't it good you went through that so you could help us? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Thank you. I think, it's a, I think it's a natural thing to go through that in the world. And I, I think now, after having gone through it, it's changed my life. Because what it did was it allowed the Father to pluck out of my heart a remnant of the knowledge of good and evil that I had no idea was condemning me all the time. Right. Right? Because it, it, it comes to work with that which is good. Right? It looks good for food to have peace. Right? I mean, nobody is like, well, when you're tormented, it's wonderful. <laughs> and so it's so easy to get in this place where you're judging yourself by what you feel. Maurice, what did you say about uh, when you were a little boy? I'm going to put you on the spot again. And you said you felt this horrible emptiness. And you want to oh, yeah. yeah. tell that story? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I guess I told this in a men's Bible study. But when I was probably, I guess, maybe eight years old. I was just this little boy, 
in Chalmette, Louisiana, and his family, which was loving and whatever. But there was something inside of me that it's like this feeling of loneliness and emptiness that I had inside that little eight-year-old heart. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget. I went into the kitchen one Saturday morning, and my dad was there, and my mom was there. And I said, Daddy, I have this emptiness, this feeling inside of me that I don't know what it is or where it came from. And I was, I was expressing that to my dad because that's what I was feeling, you know? And he, he looks at me, and I'm going to tell you, I know my mom and dad, when they heard that coming out there, little eight-year-old son, must have like shocked them that I was telling them that, okay? And he looked at me, and because he didn't know what to say, he said, son, it'll go away. <laughs> and, and you know what I said? Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll take that as an answer, you know? And he just didn't know really deeply what to say, how to address that, except to say that he knew that eventually that that feeling of loneliness and whatever it was I was experiencing would go away. And he was just being honest with me. And it was just that incident, you know, but, but it testified to me to the fact that there is something inside the human heart that needs to be filled. Mm -hmm. there, there's a filling that needs to take place. And I come through coming to know the Lord and mm -hmm. coming to be at peace with him and, and to knowing that you're right with your maker and all. But he didn't know how to express that to me, so he told me it'll go away. You know? <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, I, that, that's an actual story. And I, when I think back on it, and I know how a mom and dad feels toward their children, when your son comes to you and says, I feel empty inside or, or, and lonely, what do you say to that? I mean, my God, especially if you maybe haven't be, been equipped real well spiritually to address that. And he, I'm, I'm telling you to, to this day, when I think back on the way my daddy addressed that, he was just being as sincere and, and honest as a daddy could possibly be that, son, this, this is going to go away. You don't, you, know, you don't have to worry about that. It'll, and eventually it'll go away. And it did. Yeah. He was right. Amen. You told me that after the message I preached. Oh, is that right? Kids. Oh, is that when, when I, okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's something in us. There's, there's another reason why you could feel frustrated. There's something in us that believes we're meant for greatness. Yeah. That we're meant for something beautiful. Yes. That we're meant for something glorious. That we're meant to do something beautiful. We're meant to do something great. Our life is meant to uh, be glorious, exceptional, express beauty, all those kinds of things, transformative. Mm -hmm. There's something in us, in us that, that believes that. Yeah. And if we don't find that satisfied in the glorified man Jesus, right, in realizing the glorified man Jesus is God discerning for us what we're longing for in our heart. 
I mean, is there any greater expression of beauty and glory and transformation than the glorified man, Jesus? There's not. And so God come and took something that was invisible to us, and he made it visible in the glorified man, Jesus. He come and discerned our hearts and showed us exactly what we're after, right? And showed us exactly what we're longing for. And he didn't just come show us this is what we're after and, and now get back to working, but start working to get to that instead of these other things. He come and showed us how he's given us that as a gift, right? And that starts satisfying this desire for greatness. And it starts working to send away from you the feeling of emptiness you can feel because you're in a world that is perishing. You're in a world that the glory that you're longing for is not necessarily reflected. You can see it when your heart becomes pure, purified by looking at the glorified Jesus. But man, we're in a world where we can feel that emptiness. And it's like you look to God. You look to Jesus. And so there's a reason why we could feel this way. It's not like we don't know, right? You, you have to forgive me, Linda. It's not about that woman. The, one of the strongest rebukes the Lord gave me in my life, one-on-one, was to stop saying you can't understand and you don't know. Like he stopped my tongue like you see in Job. When it says God came down out of a whirlwind and said, who is it that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? And so anytime someone says that, they have gotten a response from me. That's good. Right? And there's been several people through the course of this church (laughs) that have told me, well, we see through a glass darkly lit. Yes. And every single time they have gotten a response. And brothers and sisters that I love and that I respect their understanding of the Lord and the scriptures, right? And so it's just a thing in me. And it, it is, I don't think it's just in me. I think, I mean, the scripture says that God, God himself said, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Isn't that what he says? Lack of understanding mm-hmm. when you look at that word. And so now we're going to come and say, we just can't understand? Yeah. When everything God did was to show us clearly what this is all about, what's in our heart. I mean, he comes so we could have discernment and so that we could understand exactly what's going on, right? And exactly what's happening. And that doesn't mean we're going to hear God perfectly as we walk through trauma. Right? We'll use this dear sister for an example. That's She filtered what God said through that. Through her own trauma, through her own heart. And probably more, like, more than likely what God said was, none of those things is a sign I wasn't there with you. Yeah. Neither can any of those things overcome your life. That I've been with you through it all. Right? And I've been upholding you through it all. And she hasn't been able to unpack how that could be true. Because the carnal mind says, in the presence of trauma... That's a sign God's not there. And so then we struggle to compute. So in order to get her to just see him there, he might have said, can you just stop? Right? But I mean, Proverbs says with all you're getting, get wisdom, get understanding. It says all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are contained in Jesus. Paul says we have the mind of Christ and we know all things. He didn't say we have the mind of Christ and we can't know. (laughs) That's right. Now listen, 
There's a caveat there, because like John would also come and say, there's a difference between knowing through faith and seeing through faith, and faith being your sight, and seeing with your natural senses. So like John would come and say, beloved, now are we the sons and daughters of God. But yet we don't yet see what our bodies will be yet, right? So if you want to come and say, well, we don't see our glorified bodies yet. Okay, I, I agree. We don't see our glorified bodies. But I promise you this. I see Jesus, and I see his glorified body, yeah. and I see that well, that's what my body will be, yeah. right? And so if you want to come and say, well, there'll be a, an experience that you feel in that moment when your flesh is glorified, oh, yeah, glory to God, right? Maybe I can't put descriptive language on that right now, but that don't mean I don't understand it or see it or know it, right? I mean, God come and discerned our lives for us in, in Jesus. And so what, we, what God would want to lead this woman into is where she could see Jesus on the cross. See, her problem, the reason why she don't understand is because her theology has taught her that God wasn't there at the cross. And so now, when she found herself in a cross moment, this must also mean God's not here and that God has forsaken me because he forsook Jesus on the cross. And now she doesn't understand because she thought God loved her. But if God loved her, then how could this have happened? Because we conclude death happening, trauma happening, tribulation happening. We conclude those things to be a sign that God isn't there and he's not really loving us right. But God come to blow that up in the cross and the resurrection. Because the resurrection is the sign that not only was God there, he was up in it. How could Jesus come out of the death of the cross unless God was in the midst of the death of the cross with him? How could he? And see, that was supposed to blow up all of the carnal mind's conclusions because we all concluded that Jesus was smitten and stricken by God. Yet the scripture comes and says that Jesus was begotten of God and the Holy Spirit of God. So he wasn't smitten and stricken of God. He was raised from the dead of God. The whole point that's trying to be demonstrated there is the, the dichotomy, the I don't think it's a parallel. I don't know what, what word I'm trying to use. The cross is a picture of what the prince of this world will give you. The resurrection is a picture of what's in God's hand to give you. And it's supposed to draw the distinction between now to where you attribute the death, the destruction, the turmoil, the torment that's in the earth. You attribute that to the prince of this world. There's a reason why he's called the prince of this world. Because he built his kingdom of death in this world. And it's his kingdom of death that is stealing and killing and destroying. And the cross is supposed to come and explain that to all the humans. It's the thief that's doing this. It's the prince of this world that's doing this to Jesus. Meaning, it's the prince of this world that did this to you. Right? And God, sees the only answer is for him to give you of himself a life that can even overcome this world and the death that's in this world and the trauma that's in this world Amen. right it's in, it's interesting he says uh we considered him stricken by god yeah so if you ask the question okay if if we considered him stricken by god obviously it means he wasn't stricken by god well who was he stricken by Look at who he was stricken by. Men who were controlled by the prince of the power of the air, the, the, the ruler that's now at work in the, in the hearts of the, those who are disobedient, the non-believing world. 
That is what struck he who he was stricken by, yep. not by God. But then we come up with a theology that says God did punish Jesus yep. for us. So who comes up with a theology that mm -hmm. says same guy God stricken him on the cross, mm -hmm. even if it was for same us? Who would come up with that theology? The same world that crucified him. Yep. Now, that's kind of a, a blunt way of putting it, I guess. But if you follow the train of thought logically, if God did not strike Jesus' dead at the cross to punish him for our sins, to punish him for our sins, who did? Then it was the devil that did it. Right. If it wasn't God, it was somebody else. It was the world controlled by the prince of the power of the air. Yeah. And then we come up with a theology that says, he did do, God did punish Jesus. Yeah, which leaves people dwelling in confusion when they encounter trauma. Leaves people not understanding when they encounter trauma. They think it comes from God. See, Jesus understood this. No one likes to experience trauma because it's contrary to light and life. But Jesus understood that even should he not go to the cross, that wasn't the power for him to be saved from the world. So he didn't attribute being on the cross to God not doing what was needed to save him. Because he saw the only thing that could actually save him from the death and trauma in the world was for him to be raised from the dead, glorified with immortality. See, we tend to look at the bad that happens to us and see it as a sign that God didn't help us. He didn't do what was needed to save us when all the while he did because avoiding the tribulation isn't what can save us from the death and the trauma in the world. It's a life that raises the dead that can save us and God has come and given us that, right? And it's understanding and seeing that. I mean, I love how Maurice brings up Isaiah 53. It says that God, that Jesus carried our griefs and our sorrows. But we say that Jesus carried God's griefs and God's sorrows with us. And we don't realize. 